All right. God bless all of you, and thank you for joining us tonight. As Pastor Josh said, this is going to be a powerful prophetic and also a very pivotal night uh, for all of us. The gentlemen that are going to join us tonight are full of inspiration, but they are also full of insight. And tonight you're going to glean. You're going to glean very well tonight from the wisdom of these men. Next week, we have Pastor Samuel Rodriguez that is going to join us and some more guys on next Monday. But tonight, my guests, I'm going to take a moment to introduce them. I'm humbled, first of all, and honored that these three guys would take time from their schedule to be with us. First of all, Pastor Dustin, my son, Dustin Hawkins from San Antonio, Texas, a place for life. Pastor D, I love you, man. I love you, Dad. Thank you for letting me be an ear in this conversation. <laughs> well, you got something to say. I'm just glad you took time to be here. And then Pastor YPJ from South Bend. Every time I go to social media, you're everywhere. I'm, and man, you are just so on the cutting edge of what God is doing. And I'm not here to flatter you guys tonight. I'm being genuine and authentic with you when I tell you your voice is being heard. And I thank you for your commitment and sacrifice and uh, the call of God on your life is super powerful, Pastor YPJ. So thank you for being with us. And then Pastor Joel Tudman from right here in Oklahoma City. We were together last night at the state capitol. And uh, Pastor Joel, I love you, man. Your church, you. Is, your church is making a difference in Oklahoma City in this area. And thank you last night for letting me be involved on the steps of the capitol. It was a great we were time. honored to have you. Like I said, you're a general in faith. We were honored that you would even accept the invitation to come. Thank you, sir. Tonight, we're going to talk about mantle for the moment. And guys, if you'll give me about 120 seconds, I'm going to, I'm going to go through an introduction that I do every Monday night concerning this particular service. Uh, we come out of Isaiah chapter 21, verses 11 and 12, every Monday night. And it talks about the watchman. You know, 2020 was started out as the year of vision, as we say over and over, turned into the year of virus, and now we're into a season of violence, and we went from a pandemic to pandemonium right through Pentecost, and now we're in a prophetic season looking into the future. And Isaiah chapter 21, verse 11 and 12, uh, reads like this, that the burden of Duma, he, call, he calls to me out of Seir, S-E-I-R, and he says, watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? And the watchman said, the morning is coming, but then also a night. If you will inquire, inquire and return and come. But I like the way it reads out of the New American Standard. Just give me about 120 seconds here. The oracle concerning Duma. One keeps calling to me from Seir. Watchman, how far gone is the night? Watchman, how far gone is the night? Now, Father, we pray for prophetic anointing on these men tonight as we begin to just dialogue about the future and, and what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church in this critical hour. Father, we, help, we ask you to help us to say things that we did not study to say, that we would be prophetic and not things that we premeditated to say. And I thank you for that kind of apostolic anointing that is going to lead us through the next few moments of time. So, gentlemen, when we look at Isaiah chapter 21, verse 11 and 12, the Bible speaks of this word oracle, that there's an oracle that comes to Duma. Duma in Hebrew means silence or to be silent. Oracle means to give an authoritative or a wise answer. 
But the request comes from the people of Seir, and we know who that is, the people of Mount Seir. They were always coupled with Ammon and Moab, the Ammonites and Moabites. But Mount Seir means to be stubborn or to be goat-like. But it has this insinuation of determination. And so from this arena of people, there's a cry to the area of silence. In other words, don't be silent now, right? And that's, that's what we've heard. It's not a season of silence right now. It's time to stand. It's time to speak. But watch who they request. They request the watchman. And the request is, comes by a question. What of the night? Night in Hebrew there is adversity or the spiraling down. It has to do with the squeezing out of light. The lo- it's losing revelation to adversity. So the question is, what is the duration of this night season? Or how long is this going to last? And what is the details? Now, when we go to Hebrew etymology, the word watchman is the same word as bishop or preacher in the New Testament, which is episkopos. Epi is over, skopos, vision, overseers. So the question is to people with oversight, insight and foresight and so I've asked you to be with us tonight because I believe you have that I believe all three of you are prophetic voices to this generation that you have foresight you absolutely have insight and to great degrees you have oversight and so the question tonight is what of this night brothers what what of this season of adversity Uh, what is the duration how long what's next What is the details? And our responsibility as watchmen is not only to hedge about, but to oversee the vineyard, you know. And, you know, we can hear what politicians have to say all day long. We can hear philosophers all day long. But there's a yearning from the people of God. I was talking to Ron Carpenter just the other day. And when this pandemic hit, we were all leaning forward to hear a voice from some prophet say something about what is going on and it was right on the heels of kobe bryant in that helicopter crash you know what 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 is what is happening right now somebody say something and it seemed to me as those with national platforms it got very quiet there wasn't a real pronounced voice saying hear the word of the lord And as time has evolved over the last three months or so, four months or so, suddenly these voices are starting to surface like you guys. And you're saying very profound things. So tonight, we're 120 years from Topeka, Kansas, which was really the initiation of Azusa, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Pentecost just happened, 120 people coming out of an upper room, speaking in languages that people, all nations under heaven, in Acts chapter 2, verse 5, was there. And they heard their own language being spoken. And so, guys, I want to present that to you. When we talk about mantles, we could talk about that all night. We know that that is the empowerment or the enablement of God upon an individual for an appointment in a certain season. And I believe that mantled men, and I want to just share with you what God told me in prayer, and then we're going to go. A man is mantled, or a woman, 
is mantled for a reason and most often a, a region. So a mantle is about a cause, a reason, but also for a region. God has never mantled a region and then told the man that he sent there to figure out the culture and try to fit in. Mantled men build the culture they carry. Mantled men or women impart the vision they carry, and mantled men look for succession for the mantle they carry to be carried. You are mantled men, and you're mantled for this moment. So I'm going to go first to Pastor YPJ, and I'm going to ask you to begin a discourse on what you see, what you feel, what is God speaking to you about this moment? And a moment is not 60 minutes. A moment includes the experience, the event, the encounter. Pastor YPJ? I think is my... There we go. 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 All right. Sorry. First and foremost, Bishop, it's an honor to be in conversation with you and my brothers. You spoke with specificity and clarity about the regional mantle. And I personally believe that one of the major issues with the dysfunction of our society is those that consider a regional mantle to be a lesser assignment. When the truth is, when God assigns you to a region, that means there's a principality that needs to be dealt with. Come on. And because we don't address principalities on a regional level in the pursuit of international platforms, we miss an opportunity to damage the kingdom of hell. And this is why during the COVID season, we saw a major blow to the kingdom of hell because pastors and leaders and prophets and evangelists were once again gathering regions together to pray against this ordeal because it was having a global impact. The ego and the agendas of individuals to seek fame and glory from preaching status or from ministry status, wow. it diminished for the fear of death. Yeah. And when people began to attack the principalities of their regions, they started to see an opening in the heaven. The problem is Satan became knowledgeable to what was happening and tried to shift the narrative to something else. And immediately before we could really do the damage we needed to, we broke the arm of the principality, but we didn't give it the death blow. Mm. So now people are starting to lose focus again because we feel like we can function in society. But what you said is so powerful that if you have a mantle for a region, but you're pursuing an international glory, then your mantle is trying to be utilized outside of its grace. So I believe that if we can accept the grace on our lives and the mantles we've been given, to attack the principalities that have been affecting the politics locally and stop going after the personalities in Washington, D.C., we can see a major shift when it comes to much of the chaos that's taking place. Because even though people don't want to believe it, with Kobe's death, with COVID, and with the racial tension, there is this beautiful harmony that's, that's being produced where when Kobe died, you saw Black, White, Hispanic, Asian all mourning the death of one African-American mm. athlete. During COVID, you saw the world come together and put aside their differences for the survival of humanity. And during this time of racial tension, it's forcing people to have conversations that in times past didn't want to do it. So I believe it's very important for us to consider the mantle, as you said, in the local region, and we'll see principalities pulled down. Let me caveat on just that thought, and you covered a volume. That was a volume, <laughs> yeah. and it was incredible. But let me just caveat on that thought about regional mantles. You know, the Bible says of Samuel that everything he spoke between Dan and Beersheba came to pass. That was his region. When Jesus 
is born, Isaiah 9 tells us that he's born to a region and he operated in that sphere. And I, I agree with you that if we understood our assignments and we stopped chasing platforms to build some international thing that, you know, we're just trying to join a conglomeration of stuff and we're getting washed out. Yes, sir. It's getting diluted. We are losing that essential power, that concentrated effort in our regions to do what God has called us to do there. I believe more principalities would come down, strongholds would be broken, and revivals would break out in regions, and it would cover this globe. I know one thing, um, Pastor Joel is plowing and has been plowing in Oklahoma City. Uh, Pastor Joel, talk to us, man. What are you feeling coming off of what Pastor YPJ just said? I love what Pastor YPJ just said. I'm in a region that uh, the type of ministry that we have is very difficult to uh, become worldwide or to become uh, super known because the Pentecostal movement in this area is almost uh, considered psychotic. So uh, the power of God moving in our region will always trying to bring down strongholds and it's almost a foreign language in the area that we're in. So as we continue to do what we do, I was thinking about Moses while he was talking and Moses has to go and be with Jethro for a season and learn how to be a man, learn how to be a father, learn how to be a husband. This is the first part of COVID. He's taking care of home. Mm -hmm. Then he goes back and then he goes where he has to be for his assignment to free the people. So he has to learn both methods, which is what has happened for us under COVID. We've been trapped at home. We had to deal with issues with our families, with our wives, that our work has caused us to hide. So we're at work and putting it on ice. Well, now we're not at work, we're at home. We're forced to have the conversations that we have not had because we were tired. Mm -hmm. uh, we're forced to deal with any issue with our children that our work has covered or our being yep. tired has covered. So learning how to do home right has helped us and freed us to do church right. Yeah. And so now nobody's traveling on planes and going across the country and preaching. We're in our churches learning how to repastor who we've been preaching to. Yeah. And so now we're having to come up with real strategy on how to mentor our people, how to develop our people and not just preach a great sermon to them and pack our churches out. We're really learning how to develop our people through discipleship, through prophetic ministries, through prayer ministries. And so during this particular season, I also was thinking about it. If I'm, if I'm keep going, I'm no, sorry. You're good. I was you're thinking good. about how the scripture talks about uh, in Ecclesiastes, times and seasons, seasons and times. And it's got all this list of all these different things. And all of us don't go through the same season at the same time even though certain things may happen at the same time. Yeah. There's some people that are prospering during this time. There's some people that are going bankrupt during this time. And so I thought about us knowing the signs of the time, which is like what Pastor YPJ has said. God has to make sure that there are men and women of God who understand the signs of the time, even though we may be going through different moments in time. Yeah. And so when you look at those children of Issachar, what the Bible says knew the seasons of time. Right. One of the most powerful parts in the scripture says that it was 200 leaders. And if leaders could get together with other leaders, you could find out how to navigate through these times. And right. that's what I've watched across the world, what we're doing right now, different leaders learning and listening to each other and not necessarily competing against each other. 
yeah. but we're learning and we're listening and learning how to navigate through these particular times. Those two words have been so imperative during this time. Are you listening and what are you learning? Are you listening and what are you learning? So I, I fully agree. And, you know, Isaiah went to um, Hezekiah and he said, set your house in order. And I believe that, you know, when houses are out of order, then everything's out of order. And I believe that it's time, and, and you hit on it, that the houses get back in order. We, you know, we're, this is a fatherless generation. And I don't even want to go there because we could get in the curse of this generation. Is a, is a, it's a fatherless generation. And we got pastors that don't act like fathers. They want to nurture, but they don't want to nourish. The people want nurturing, but they don't want nourishment. Um, so that, that whole paradigm is unique as well. Pastor Dustin, uh, jump in here, man, and tell, tell us what you feel about this moment. <clears throat> Say that one more time, Dad. You cut out that last sentence. Well, following on the heels of what Pastor YPJ said and, and Pastor Joel, what do you feel about this moment? What do you see? What are you sensing? I'm glad you asked because that's exactly what uh, I asked the Lord to articulate. Um, I'll just start from my perspective because that's the only one I can give. Um, in January at the turn of the year, I called you and I told our church, I said, you know, this is the year of the prophet. Uh, this will be the year that the spirit of Elijah makes itself very manifest. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a reason I'm saying this because I want to preface uh, what I'm going to say as well, you know. Um, and then I also said that this will be a year of an open heaven, uh, a response from heaven, a response by fire, which is really the sign of Elijah and uh, that this would also be a year of an open season. Uh, and that was kind of our opening word for the year. Um, so having said that, I believe honestly that we're right smack in the middle uh, of Malachi chapter number four. Um, I think we're there. And I think we're there because Kobe Bryant, I'm glad all of y'all mentioned him. He, he was, you know, according to most people, the most famous figure on the planet, the most well-known figure on planet Earth. Um, and so his passing, you know, of course, just for that was significant, but, you know, the word Kobe uh, is a Japanese word. It's made of two phrases, ko and be. Uh, ko is the word God for the phrase in Japanese, and be is the word door for the phrase in Japanese. Um, also, uh, the pilot that was flying that helicopter, and, and this is important to what I'm seeing prophetically, uh, if you just stay with me for a minute, um, and the reason is, is because this, you know, the pilot had 20 years experience. Um, he thought he was flying up when he was flying down. 
mm. uh, because he couldn't see through the, the fog. And I'm going to say something about that in a minute. But uh, his name, Ara, uh, A-R-A, in the Latin means altar. That's what the word in the Latin actually means. And so uh, to see the altar uh, or that, that, that significance, and of course, uh, the Kobe crash was, was marked by uh, that fire. I believe that God, um, and this also happened on the fourth Sunday of, uh, of January. That's why I say I believe that maybe we're right in Malachi chapter number four. I, I, I'm confident. Um, and so when that happened, I believe that was God saying we are in Malachi chapter four and the spirit of Elijah has shown up. And, and I'm, of course, I'm talking about the prophet prophesying that I'm going to send the, the, the spirit of the prophet Elijah and, and, and the hearts of the fathers going to turn to the children and vice versa. Uh, and so when the pandemic hit uh, and, and we were placed in our homes, I believe that God, what he was trying to say was that I'm giving you a door. Uh, I'm giving you an opportunity uh, because Malachi chapter four actually kind of ends with, with uh, this open opportunity. I feel like at least, you know, this is going to happen less I come and, you know, strike the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, either that's going to happen or I'm going to respond in a way that y'all don't want me to respond. And so I do agree with Bishop Tudman in that it is, it is certainly an hour uh, for the church uh, to be wide awake, you know, ears wide yeah. open as I just text Pastor YPJ today because uh, the frustration that Jesus even had with religious people was that they were not able to interpret these kinds of signs that they could read the weather, but but they could not figure out what was going oh. on in, in the heavens. And so our ability to articulate uh, what is happening uh, through events when when God is grabbing all of our attention. Uh, we have to pay attention. Another uh, thing that has my attention prophetically right now uh, is, uh, you know, there's been 30 years ago in 1990, uh, a fourth wave, and I won't take you through the history of uh, this Panama disease, uh, TA4, pandemic started. And right now, what a lot of people are unaware of is that uh, the banana industry, which is the largest fruit or vegetable industry on planet Earth, it's also noted uh, to be uh, some of the worst conditions, uh, you know, closest thing to modern day slavery on planet Earth right now is the banana industry. Mm. Uh, but what, what has happened is that there's a disease uh, that that has pretty much run rampant through the entire earth now. It's hit every single continent mm. and, and it's running rampant through every uh, single banana plant plantation. It's a disease that's in the soil and it's killing the bananas. And the thing about it is uh, you don't know that these plants have the disease until it's too late. It, it is impossible to detect it until it's too late because it's in the soil yep. and it has to do with the roots. Yep. And so the Lord began to speak to me and, and told me, you know, that prophetically, uh, that's what I see. I see that there's enough rooting. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and we see that in upheaval. We see that, uh, you know, obviously in the world around us. Uh, that, can I keep talking just 
or do you want me to stop? Let me, let me just, let me, let me, let me, you're you're rolling. (laughs) Well, you want to know, you know, you know, you challenged us the last time to, Hey, what's the Lord? That's right. And, and, and you are, you are bringing it and I appreciate it. But I want to just grab some of your nuggets because I know these guys are wanting to run with this as well. Sure. One thing about Kobe Bryant is that he was, after all this happened, the, the number one characteristic about him that came forward was what? A great dad, a great father, right? He's a great father. Malachi chapter 4, you alluded to it. The last days, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the fathers. Malachi, I mean, Elijah wrapped his face in his mantle the same mantle that he passed to Elisha when Elisha cried. He didn't say, my mentor, my mentor, my teacher, my te- teacher. He said, my father, my father. And I think what is happening right now is this emphasis on fathering is coming back to the body. Because without fathering, there's no mantles. Pastor YPJ? Absolutely. Fatherhood is imperative. And the reason why many people lack identity. And I especially feel the reason why America suffers at the level it does is because of the wickedness through slavery that removed father from family structure. Come on. So now you're dealing with a group of people who are in a position of uprising because of the negligence of the importance of family when family was the very first thing that God implemented when he discusses humanity and Satan, the very first thing he attacked. So when we lack fatherhood, we lack identity because it's the father's responsibility to impart wisdom, identity into the children. And often cases, we have young men and young women who don't know who they are. If you take just for example, Bishop, there's so many African-Americans with the last name Washington, Jefferson, Brown, Jenkins, but you very seldom meet any Caucasians with the last name Washington, Jefferson, Brown, Jenkins. Wow. Those names came from white people. But the slave, the slave owners gave their name to these black people, not because it was just property. Many times those were their children, but they yes. didn't father them in the area of raising them. They just created them through sexual pleasures. And so you have a whole generation of people who were stripped of their last name from Africa, given a name that was here in America, and they were never handed identity with the name. And once the name became overused in the African-American community, many white people pulled away from it. So now you got a whole generation of African-Americans who through slavery were taught to be breeders, but not leaders, taught to have family structure in the area of dominance and abuse because of what they experienced as men. So it has put a major strain on the identity and especially in the black community of a father. And when you don't understand what a father is, you associate father with the next hierarchy in your life, which was black men in slavery was a master. So when we talk about God being the father and God being the master, Many black people don't understand that master should not be associated with abuse because all they knew was the abusive ties to the word master and the word father. And I think we've got to do a better job of giving the fatherly example of love, the fatherly fatherly example of stewardship, the fatherly example of commitment. And when we do that, we're going to see identity be restored to our communities, which in that case, they begin to love God love themselves, and then they love their neighbor as themselves where they won't harm each other. If we want to eliminate crime, we've got to increase identity. We've got to increase self-love, but most importantly, we've got to increase God love. And when we get that, then we can restore the family to the place it needs to be. Wow. There's a principle in sonship that says from the mouth of Jesus, I only do what I see my father doing. And that's a pattern that we see in history. We do what we see our authority figures doing. So I identify with what you're saying, Pastor YPJ, and man, we're going to go there deeper in a moment because I just believe that 
the prefaces, what prefaces revival is revolt. Before mm. Reformation, revolt has to happen. Upheaval, the, the bottom has to come over top, overtake the top. And that's what we're seeing happen. There's a, there's a Reformation happening right before our eyes, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. Uh, Pastor Joel, talk to us, man. I know this is resonating with you. Yeah, because I'm a father. I'm a father of nine. And my, my, what was so important to me was to make sure that uh, my sons understand how to be men and how to take care of their women, how to take care of themselves. And so with the way society is right now, it's uh, almost wicked to be right. You know, it's almost wicked to have one woman. It's wicked to mm. be a virgin. It's a virgin. It's wicked to come in early. It's wicked wow. to not party. So mm. the peer pressure has become so heavy so it's almost a wrestling match now with the father and the son to try to get him to see what he should do. And so going back to what Pastor YPJ says, I've got to be the, the greatest example I can be for my sons, not beat my wife, open my doors for my wife, kiss my wife, fill on my wife's butt in front of my son. Mm -hmm. Let my daughter see me grab my wife's breast, even though no, she's probably watching it. She don't want to say that. <laughs> but I try to do a good job of being an example of what That's why you got nine kids. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be an example of what a masculine man looks like, that he, there's nothing wrong with masculinity, awesome. there's nothing wrong with strength, awesome. and there's nothing wrong uh, with having one woman. And there's nothing wrong with being visible in ministry, giving God the glory. I'm a very masculine man. Yes. And so when I'm in church giving God glory, I praise him. I go all the way in yeah. and I preach to my brothers in my sermons. I try to do my best not to have feminine examples because I really want to touch those brothers and help them understand yeah. that it's okay to give him glory. Yeah. It's okay to speak in tongues. It's okay to sprint around the church. Uh, preachers have got to go back to giving masculine examples in their sermons because everything is feminine now. And I know that's a trend, but we leave that male sitting back in the chair like this. Yep. Where that's my right. Islamic brothers are preaching truth to power. They're making a black man feel good when they hear him talk about uh, Muhammad and strength. I've got several Islamic friends, but we make Christianity such a feminine religion or feminine faith so effeminate that the masculine man has a difficult time trying to find out how God, what's God placed in his heart as a man and how he is to be uh, the example of the priest in his house Yeah. when she has become the priest and the queen because she's going to everything. Does yeah. it make sense? I hope I didn't jump off. Well, I will say this. We've not only lost the thought of man but coupled with that, you never hear terminology like you just said, manliness or manhood. Those, that vocabulary is seldom spoken of in church. And church has taken on a feminine characteristic. And I think masculinity does have to return to the pulpits. It, you guys travel, you know. Who does all the praying? The women do. Who cleans yes. the church? The women do. Okay. Who's interceding? The women do. And then you got a guy that gets up to preach. And that's about it. And he's, he tends to be a little bit feminine. And then worship leaders tend to be a little bit feminine. So 
We have lost identity because we've lost manhood, manliness, masculinity. And where is the man? Where is the man right now? So with that being said, there's only one result that, that happens. And that's the consequences we are facing today, which is a nation that is in upheaval. This nation is a mess. It is a total mess. And, yes, and I just, I, I fully concur with you guys, with what you guys are saying. Pastor D. Sorry about that. Concerning... You got to learn how to work technology, man. <laughs> you got to have to teach me, brother. I appreciate it. Um, concerning the nation, yes, um, I, I do agree with what you said and with what Pastor YPJ said. Um, I'll reemphasize what I said last time I was able to be with you that, you know, we're in, we're in a moment that, that we can't get away from. It's not an accident. You know, I tell people around me, this, this could have happened. Uh, it, it didn't happen 10 years ago. Let me say it like that. It didn't happen 10 years from now. It didn't happen 27 years ago. It happened now. And, and the, the moments uh, that we see in time and scripture, you know, they're important and it's important that it happened now. For me, it's important that it's exactly 400 years after the first slave touched the soil of this continent. That's, that's important. That's God saying something to us. It's important to me that because of this pandemic, that the skies are more clear than they've ever been. And at the same time, the dust from Africa is thicker than it has ever been reported hmm. in history. The soil's talking. And, the, and, and it is blinding to some. Some, you, you know, we're seeing exactly, this is a sign from God. This is God screaming at this nation, screaming at this nation. And it's something we can't ignore. And I believe yep. It, that, that there are ministries right now that are like that helicopter. They think that they're going up right now, but they're disoriented. Yeah. And really, they're going down. And I think that, and I, and I think with that, you know, this nice about mantles, be, be, when the spirit of Elijah comes, it comes on a mantle. That's how it comes. Right. So a mantle has, a mantle has fallen to be reached for and grabbed. And that's, that's my word to you young, authentic or old, I don't care who you are, but those uh, even like me, you know, I, I have I have chewed on my tongue and I'll continue to for a while, but but I believe that it's grabbing time now. Reach yeah, out and right. grab the mantle that you know belongs to you and walk in it. You talk about being masculine. Well, that takes men and women of God walking in the authority that they did in the scriptures unapologetically in the spirit of Elijah, yeah. in your role, in your mantle, and in your region, as we started talking about. Now is, yeah. is that out? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do this. We're, we're hinting at it, and we're whispering at it. Let's go there, okay? And, and I'm going to try to incorporate this mantle idea into this moment that we're in. The moment that we're in, once again, is racial tension. The, we can't ignore that. Now, Dustin, for you and I, we're going to get challenged on this because people are going to be saying, why do you keep bringing the, the racism thing back up? Well, you know what? It's the fabric we're cut from 
we're, we're ready for all that. Let's bring it on. It's all good. Um, because I raised you, and you know how we do. We, we bridge. We, we are about that. We all about that. And the fact is, you know what? The black community in this nation, we denounce racism. We're not non-racist. We're two white men that are anti-racist. We abhor it. We, we stand against it. We speak against it. It's Amen. disgusting. It's ugly. It's evil. It's dark in every it's way. It's wicked. And so I don't want anyone confusing that with us. That's our stance. And that's why we built churches the way we built them. And, and that's the mantle we wear. But let me say something to you. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Lord, help me. See, when you wear a mantle that is multicolored and multicultural, your brothers can't speak peaceably to you. Genesis 37, verse 2 and 3 says, when Joseph walked out there with that mantle of many colors, verse 4 says his brothers could not speak peaceably to him. Because your mantle that says we embrace diverse, diversity, it screams for adversity. And so you must understand that where we stand in this hour, where we are at this pivotal moment is prophetic history. And you said it. And I'm going to say to all three of you guys, God trusted us with this time, man. He, he, wait, he held us for this moment. This is our time. This is our moment. This is the, our, yeah, put that, that robe on and wear it out there. And if brothers can't speak peaceably to them, speak peace to them and let them go. But we're going to represent integration and the law of interrelated reality that says, if you touch one of us, you have touched all of us. And until men of God take that stand, we're going to keep blurring lines and be confused. Pastor YPJ. Bishop Hawkins, you hit it smack dab on the head the reality of it is joseph's brothers did not respect their regional mantle they could not they could not look beyond their assignment because they saw the global assignment or the larger assignment that was on joseph's life and this is where the divisiveness of the church comes in yeah when his brothers are upset with him for the mantle that he's wearing that has great diversity they begin to accuse him when joseph speaks to them and says i had a dream he tells them the dream but he does not interpret the dream he had not come into the fullness of his gift. He just knew he was unique. His brothers were the ones that interpreted the dream, which shows us they were just as gifted as Joseph was. But when you become jealous of someone's assignment, you take the focus off the gift of the assignment that you have. My and this God. is what we've been dealing with in the church in this last day, are those who cannot embrace the uniqueness of what God has called them to do for their obsession with what someone has been, something that has been placed on someone else's life. My God. And the truth is none of them could have survived what Joseph went through. He was the only one that was anointed to go through that process. And here's the reality. Don't be jealous of a pastor who's been called to multicultural ministry, because if God didn't call you to it, he didn't grace you for it. Mm. And the very thing you envy is the very thing that will destroy you if you move yourself out of position. I know for a fact, that in this season, God has called me to pastor the African-American community and bring them into identity, but to prophesy to my white brothers and my white Come sisters on. with no fear and with no reservation. Because if you love me like you say you love me, you will listen and you will hear me. But if you reject me, all you're doing is revealing the covert spirit of racism that you have, you have literally masked for years. 
You've had black praise singers, you have black musicians, you have black ushers, you have black concubines. That's right. But when God sends someone to speak and to prophesy and to declare it's time to pull it down, the hearts of men are being revealed. And so I don't envy Dustin's mantle. I don't envy Bishop Tubman's mantle. I know that if I embrace the mantle on my life, my assignment will properly impact where God has me to impact. Wow. And together we'll be able to feed the masses. Jesus said, make them sit down and host in companies and each of you will feed a section. He said, mm. I can't feed all of them by myself. I need you to take your mantle. When we yes. do that, oh. we get more accomplished. My yes. God today, you guys are preaching, man. Listen, we got about, we've got about five, 10 more minutes here. Pastor Joel, talk to us. And, and then after that, we'll, I'll caveat and we'll all have a closing statement here. But I thank you for operating in this prophetic flow you're in right now. This season that we're in now, uh, some of us are very outspoken in the pulpit. Uh, all of us are not pastors. And so there are those of you who are in the workforce that have got to figure out how to work your lane where you are and not fear uh, pressure, black pressure. We talked about this in our church, not fear black pressure of feeling that because you didn't post a statement about racism, that you're not doing your work with it behind closed doors. Uh, there are certain meetings that cannot be posted. And so there are, there are situations that need to be discussed that God's using you, using the kingdom in the boardroom to have those discussions, to bring both parties together. For me, I have a difficult time because I've got people that are chasing me now that with things that are going on in our institution mm -hmm. that feel like I should be on social media banging it. Mm -hmm. and, and I am banging it in here. Mm -hmm. I'm banging it in the rooms. Right. I'm bringing it together in the rooms. So I want to minister to those of you who are feeling that pressure from people because you haven't been, quote unquote, visible on a screen, but you've been doing it behind closed doors. You do the work of the kingdom and you stay strong and work your lane. Every mm -hmm. lane doesn't need a microphone. Sometimes it just needs your presence and your voice. And this is a season where if everybody works their lane, we'll cover the whole track. So we can't try to all stay in the same lane. We've got to work every single lane. The bank, we've got to work the schools. We've got to, the coaches got to work with the players. We've got to work every lane because it's not just the pulpit. It's got to be worked in every phase in America, every phase in the world. And I believe that the world will change, not just from the pulpit, but from you being vocal and you being strong and assertive in whatever area God has put you in to work. The well, kingdom I, works outside the four walls of the building. I appreciate you speaking to that and speaking to people that are watching tonight that are not in ministry. They're in this workforce and they're in the marketplace and they're advancing the kingdom of God. And that gave them great wisdom to be able to walk that out. Pastor D, uh, any, any comment on that before we just go into his closing statement? <laughs> I'll say this. That banana I'm talking about is the fruit of the wise men is its Latin scientific name. Wow. The only cure for it is you've got to develop organic farms, home settings in essence. And it's so prophetic that you guys are saying this while nature is showing us this, the same thing. And I believe that heaven is screaming the same thing at us. There can never be 
wisdom garnered from a synthetic and mass produced level. It has to be something that's caught in the soil and caught in the root system. And Bishop Tubman and, and brother, Pastor YPJ, man, y'all have, have said it clearly. That's, that's the prophetic word of the Lord to this hour. Do you guys believe that we're standing at the end of cosmos or the end of a time or the end of the age? We are at the end of something. I believe we all agree with that. Is that right, guys? Something is, there's an era ending. Is that right? I believe we're, we're at the end of, excuse me, I don't, I'm no. not trying to offend at all. No, you But I do believe we're at the end of an era where one race has been actually uh, put on a statue and the other one has been put in a basement. I believe that uh, the black race is gaining momentum. Uh, the Hispanic race is gaining momentum. Every minority race is rising to the top. And I believe that God is using the white race to do it. In all the marches that I've been a part of, I'm looking out and I'm seeing just as many or more white people that are saying, I'm sick and tired of how the world is going. Mm -hmm. So people are shifting the world. Mm. The people are learning how, how, how black people are being treated and how black people are being seen. I believe that there's a shifting, that equality is actually getting ready to rise in the earth. Inside the church, we've always felt like we're the top. But I believe the feeling that we've been having in church, that euphoric feeling, that Holy Ghost feeling, is about to be something that we experience on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And we're going to experience it when we go to the bank. We're going to experience when we take vacations. We're going to yeah. experience when we get pulled over by the police. That stiffer laws, we're going to be able to focus on stiffer laws. And, and then when we pull over, we're not going to have to worry about putting our hands over the top and putting our our, 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 all of our credentials up top. I believe all of that fear and trepidation is shifting and that there's going to be a peace that comes because the people of God are rising up and all the leaders are coming together. I see a, there's synergy happening. So yeah. there's going to be a turn. That's what I believe. Pastor YPJ? I don't think, Bishop Tubman, you have to concern yourself with feeling like you might offend. Bishop Hawkins and Pastor Dustin are not supremacists. When we speak against the racism of this country, we're talking to supremacists and we want to offend them. That's we right. We absolutely want to yes, upset sir. them. Yes. We want to expose every supremacist pastor who's upset because yes. we're coming against their attitude and their issue. And it requires that. I think one of the most ridiculous demonstrations in this country is the Confederate flag. The yes. Confederate flag is the most unpatriotic symbol in this entire country. If you wear the Confederate flag, you're saying you hate America because yeah. Confederacy was anti and they lost. So not only are you disloyal, you're a loser. Mm -hmm. And I think in this season, it's imperative and important for us to call all things to the carpet that are discrediting the kingdom of God and the progression of God. You cannot say that you love God's kingdom and you cannot say that you love God's people and turn a blind eye to injustice and oppression in this American society. Because what you're really saying is you love the religion that you created and the Charleston Heston Moses that you've seen and not the God of the Bible or the cultures that exist. So these conversations don't bother me because I won't sit down and have a sensible conversation with the supremacist. This is an intellectual dialogue of revelation. But if you put me in front of a supremacist, I will offend you because I am a prophet. And it is not my responsibility to make you comfortable. It's my responsibility to bring you to conviction so that you can experience conversion. And so I say this, Bishop Tugman, you're absolutely right. This is the hour of the black man. 
And if any white person feels intimidated by that, they're missing it. It's not that God is calling one better than the other. He's bringing one to the forefront to finally reveal who their identity is so that we no longer feel unstable when we're in each other's company. So much can happen when we finally agree that God created us with equality to a fulfilling assignment in the earth. Satan is not after skin. I know y'all think he is. He don't care about that. That is not his concern. Satan wants to damn all of mankind to hell and to his position of, of torment because he knows the kingdom of God is within all of us. And when we unify, the Bible says nothing is impossible to them. God had to divine their language, not their pigmentation. And the devil is mad because God is bringing the language of the people back together. Yeah. But we can't talk if the black man still feels like he doesn't have a voice. So the Lord is raising it. I got to stop. I'm done. You Keep going, Keep man. Keep going, man. This is good stuff. I understand. Well, let me, so let that's me, our prayer. Yeah, and, and, it, and the prayer is happening, and, it, and it's being, it, it is very fruitful right now. That kind of praying is being very fruitful right now. So I concur. And in closing, let me just say we'll, we'll end it like this. I just discovered this. Let me ask this question, though. Let me let me let me sidetrack a minute. Does the name Ruel mean anything to you guys? Okay. All right. I want I want us all, all the people that are watching tonight, go back and study Moses. There's a cry for a brother-in-law named Ruel. He is a black man. And you know what the cry was? Be our eyes in the wilderness. Jesus. Go back and study it. Be yes. our vision through this, through this wilderness. And no one talks about him anymore. And I don't know why. Because what's happening right now is God is not just giving light. He's giving sight. He's giving sight where there's not been sight. And, he's, and the black man must see in this hour. He must see for us. You got to see from me before you can speak from me. And so go back and study this man. It's very important for you to go back and study this man. The last thing I will say is mantle. The root word for mantle is Adar. Adar is the last month of the Hebrew calendar. It's the root word for mantle. At the end of the calendar is the end of the era. It's the end of a term. It's the end of a duration mantles are called for Benjamin sets at the end of Joseph's table when the portions were served he is served five times more than anybody else any of the brothers but he receives don't forget this guys five mantles from Joseph what do we have in Ephesians 4 five fold ministry it's the ability, it's an anointing, and it's on you guys, and I'm going to leave you with this. It's on all of you. You young preachers, not, I'm not calling you guys young, but the young preachers that are watching tonight. But you guys are a generation just behind me. I, I just want to say that because there's something special on you guys. Listen to Pastor Rick. This five-fold mantle that is on you is the ability to be intergenerational and transgenerational. It's the ability to communicate to all cultures at one time. It's the ability to shift from one moment you're in an apostolic anointing, then you're in a prophetic anointing, then you're in a pastor anointing, then you're in a teacher anointing, then you're in an evangelistic anointing. And you must raise people that recognize what mantle you take to that pulpit. 
and don't frustrate you by locking you into a pastoral anointing or a mantle when you're walking in with a prophetic mantle. And this is what frustrating preachers today. I'm not trying to be some nurturing, nourishing pastor right now. I'm not, this is not the season for that right now. It's a season to walk in the apostolic and the prophetic. I'm not trying to placate you and pat you on your back and telling you to have your best life now. No, this is not the best life now. This is the worst thing our nation has seen and ultimately it's going to revolve into the greatest thing we've ever experienced. But don't act like it ain't here. And don't act like you're going to box me in and stereotype me because I'm white and I'm a pastor. No, yeah. and, 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 and you guys either because you're black and you're pastoring people. Get that Benjamin mantle and shift, shift and transition and move and lead. The psalm says, who is leading us now? You, O tribe of Benjamin, because you, you are ambidextrous. You are right-handed, then you left-handed. You can go right, then you can go left. You can sling a stone at an arrow from 100 yards and split a hair. You're accurate with your apostolic anointing. So I want to encourage you men, walk in it, man. Walk this thing out. All three of you. And listen, in Jesus' name, man, don't try to fit into your culture. You carry the culture inside of you. Yes, man, sir. shift that culture by what you carry and wear those five garments that, that Joseph, the man of favor, is passing out. Closing remark from all of you. I'm sorry for going off, but I feel the Holy Ghost on this table right here. And I'm telling you, it is a mantle moment. It's a pivotal moment, and you guys are anointed to bring ha! You're to bring revival to this nation. All three of you are these preachers watching us tonight. Speak the word of the Lord with wisdom and authority. Don't apologize for what God has anointed you to do. Woo! Quit excusing what God has placed on your life. Walk it out. Be the man God called you to be. Woo, you got five times more than anybody else sitting at this table, which means they went before you, but they didn't carry five like you carried. Five's the number of grace. Grace is gifts given to you. Walk it out in grace, in humility, with authority, and with wisdom. Prophesy, decree, declare, bring deliverance, cast out devils in Jesus' name. Woo. I'm sorry, fellas. I feel this Holy Ghost. I'll let you all have a closing comment. There's nothing else to be said, Bishop. I love you. I love you. I believe in you. I listen to you guys and I learn from you. So I appreciate it. I can tell you're serious. Your heart said, recess is over. You three men are not in ministry for money. That's why we lose mantles. That's why Gehazi couldn't carry a mantle because he was more interested in Naaman's money than he was Elisha's mantle. And we got buried mantles in the ground. Jesus. And we throwing dead men in there and they bouncing back to life. It's a shame that we having to take people to dead man's bones to find life. Instead of finding it in the house of God where the mantles ought to be alive. We bury in mantles because preachers are more interested in the money than they are the ministry. Help me, Jesus. Don't get caught in that trap, brothers. You used to hear from them old preachers, them old bishops used to tell you. It's the gold, the glory, and the girls. 
that make us lose our shine and make us lose our anointing. Don't get caught in that trap. Sir. In Jesus' name. You guys wear Jesus that mantle name. and walk this thing out. I love you. I thank y'all for being yeah. with us tonight. I'm going to go ahead and get out because I could roll on right now. And we've gone a little too long. But I speak the blessing of God over all three of you now. In Jesus' name, I decree and declare your destiny is secure. Your purpose is powerful. Your potential is intact. Your capacity is enlarging. Your boundaries are expanding. You're a voice. Walk it out. And to all the people watching tonight, I speak to you. In Jesus' name, there's a great army of God that is being no longer segregated, but integrated in a valley that's going to rise up ligament to ligament, bone to bone, sinew to sinew, and we will advance the kingdom of God in this generation like it's never been advanced before. Revival is before us. Revival is before us. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Success to you and success to the kingdom. I love you, brothers. Love you.